Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Where do you see pearls? You know, in a in a jewelers in a in a oyster yeah, an oyster. <laughs> Where there's all that mucus and brown flesh and sludge that they eat. If you see a, be- a beautiful pearl there. Like, if you think of the rest of the film as being grey meat and, and mucus, the actual ideas of the film are the pearl. It's, it's, it's very profound, John. Um, <laughs> so. Back to the film. Um, <laughs> can you put that... <laughs> can you put that in as the pre-title yes. sequence? Britain. An ancient kingdom with legends of violence cruelty, and torment in its blood. Join your hosts, Ross, John, and James, as they bravely tread where few would dare. Witness their journey into the horrific history of British horror. They are... The General Witchfinders. gentlemen, goblins and ghouls, welcome to the seventh episode of the General Witchfinders podcast. I'm James in Bournemouth on the south coast of England. I'm John Poutney, I'm in the south of Wales in South Wales. And I'm Ross in Dorchester on southern England. And today, in this episode, we are covering the Horror Express. For two million years in these subterranean caves, a creature of superhuman evil was entombed in a wall of ice. Waiting to be free, waiting to live again. Travel with us on a journey into a world where nightmare becomes reality. Are you telling me that at eight that lived two million years ago, Got onto that crate, killed the baggage man, and put him in there. Yes, I am. 
It's alive. It must be. Travel with us, if you dare, on the Horror Express. Search the train and find it, whatever it is, and destroy it. But if it's alive... I want this kept quiet. I don't want to panic the passengers. The malignant power of this creature is indestructible, transferring its force from mind to mind, from body to body. Beast is not dead. I put four bullets into him. You think evil can be killed with bullets? Satan leaves. The animal that you shot was only the host. It's alive in someone on this train. You saw his eyes. One look at them and you're dead. Anything that moves near that door, kill it. <laughs> Run, run for your life. Hide, but you can't escape. No one can stop the fury and the terror of the Horror Express. Horror Express, or... Panico NLS. Oh, no, I did it wrong. Horror Express or Panico NL Transiberiano. <laughs> Translated as Panic on the Trans-Siberian, of course. It's an English language Spanish science fiction horror film loosely based on the novella oh. Who Goes There? Which, of course, is also the basis for The Thing from Another World, which in turn was remade as the classic The Thing in 1982 by John Carpenter. The film stars Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing with Alberto Di Mendoza, Silvia Tortosa, Julio Pena, George Rigold, and Hangel de Poza well in done, supporting well roles. And Aristotle Telly Savalas in a guest <laughs> appearance. In 1906, Professor Sir Alexander Saxton, a renowned British anthropologist, played by Christopher Lee, is returning to Europe by the Trans-Siberian Express from Shanghai to Moscow. With him is a crate containing the frozen remains of a primitive humanoid creature that he discovered in a cave in Manchuria. Before the train departs Shanghai, a thief is found dead on the platform. His eyes are completely white, without irises or pupils. Later, the humanoid is reanimated, roaming the moving train, leaving bodies with the same opaque white eyes in its wake. Autopsies suggest that the brains of the victims are being drained of memories and knowledge. When the humanoid is gunned down by police inspector Mirov, the threat seems to have eliminated, but the murders continue. Like all Italian and Spanish films of the period, Horror Express was filmed mostly without sound, with effects and voices dubbed into the film later. Lee, Cushing and Savalis all provided their own voices for the English market, with a certain Roger Delgado providing the voice for Inspector Mirov. According no to director way. Eugenio, yes, 
According to the director, Eugenio Martin, the film was made because a producer obtained a train set from the production of Nicholas and Alexandria. Uh, He came up with the idea of writing a script just so he would be able to use this prop. Horror Express was filmed in Madrid between 1971 and 1972, produced on a low budget of $300,000, released a few months after the topic of our very first podcast episode, Dracula AD 1972. There we go. Thank you very much. So So when you say train set, when you say train set, you don't mean a Hornby, like OO gauge That's what I I immediately thought of. There were a couple of shots where it looked very train set. Oh, I thought... but I thought it was the the set, as in the the, the carriages. Well, I thought they were I in. took that as as the model of the of the train which oh, they were using. Well, I've looked at the same Wikipedia article, so yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> essentially, this podcast is us reading out Wikipedia. Uh, all I all I want to start by saying with, on this one is that they went through a very large amount of poached eggs on this uh, set because that's the uh, the eyeball effect is basically looks like what I not poached actually more like a hard boiled egg that you've peeled yes and then you've you've Mm. stuck the bits in your eyes and when I do that tomorrow maybe I'll try and take get hell to take a picture of me so we can have it as the cover of the um... yeah (laughs) death death face 2000 Dawnsley <laughs> so um this film is it's got a little bit of history with james and i because it's one of the ones which mm-hmm. we from the age of around about 13 14 um every friday night we'd sleep over someone's house um so either mine and james or our friend michael one of our friends yeah yeah and or someone that you didn't know just someone's house yeah yeah every now and then <laughs> we chance our hands yeah yeah and, Let um, yourselves in. And, and we would often stay up and wait <laughs> late and watch a horror movie. And I, I, I believe that this was the first film which was shown on the Richard O'Brien hosted horror thing called... Yes. Uh, what was the it called? The thing you tweeted about the yeah, other day. Yeah, a train base sort of um, him in the underground. <laughs> horror, not... Night, night train yeah. or something like that. But which was mainly, um, they were showing that thing, is it called Kojak? Not Kojak. No, oh, not Kojak. 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 The night the stalker. Stalker. Kojak yeah, appears yeah, yeah, in yeah. this. Yes, film. he does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nicely, nicely linked. However, I can't find any evidence that this film was actually shown as part of that. But that is my memory of this. It was definitely shown late because I was going to say, like, when we were kind of first putting together the idea for General Witchfinders, uh, and we were kind of suggesting films and projects to look at. This was one of them because, as Ross says, it was very much ingrained on my memory in the same way that, like, John, when you said in episode one about the Hammer films being shown like on a Friday night were for you as, you know, in yeah. your teenage years. Uh, and this was definitely one of them. And it was really interesting for me learning that this wasn't a British film at all. I had no idea, none, <laughs> when I was a teenager. that this, For me, I just assumed because it had Christopher Lee and it had Peter Cushing yeah. in it and... And of course, I now know dubbed English actors. Are you just kind of assume mm. it's an English horror film? Yeah, yeah. I mm. think that we, we are tenuously getting this in our, on our British horror because of those. There was a kind of a British yes. cross. Um, it is a co-production yeah. with the uh, people that did something like Psychomania or something like yeah, that. I which, think, yeah, I think they, they, they did um, a, a range of these films. A, didn't a they? range of appallingly bad horror films. <laughs> What I thought was very interesting when I was kind of finding out more about it is that I realised that sort of like the main producer behind it was Bernard Gordon, who had yeah. been a Hollywood producer in the 30s and 40s, and then he got put on the Hollywood yeah. blacklist. 
okay. Because, you know, he oh, was no part way. of the communist. You know, he was, yeah, 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 yeah. So he was kind of cast out from Hollywood and forced to come and sort of make a living in Europe. So that's why he was in Europe making these films. So I was like, oh, okay, um, that was interesting. I had no idea about it. So that. my only memory yeah. of this from watching that was the whistling of the... the uh, I yeah. thought the whistling was going to be a bigger part of it because that was my main memory. And that I the, did. That the yep. monster was... <laughs> it was like a hairy monster I got whistled. I felt at the end, one of the characters was going to go... And, yeah. Uh, and like, oh, yeah. But no. No, they didn't go for that. No. <laughs> but apart from that, they had no memory. I had no memory that it had Peter Cushion in it. No memory it had Christopher Lee in it. It was just there was this guy on a train like a, an eight man on a train whistling that was my only memory of this so it was quite it was quite good to actually watch it and um my first impression as it started was yeah it was really modern 70s font no, none of these sort of the gothic fonts which we're used to using font exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and i really liked the kind of abstract train noises and the lights and all it's that kind very of very euro horror the style oh, yeah, yeah absolutely it's like, like oh. ultra a massive like fuzz bass kind of soundtrack where it's like doo <laughs> And that's the theme tune. I'm going to release like, an album of, of John doing all of these different um, soundtracks. I think you do it for every Mega episode. Mix. Yeah. Uh, no, but, but I felt like, well, this is refreshing. I'm looking forward to this, you know. <laughs> and then... Yes, and then you're straight back into <laughs> 30 minutes of mediocre gothic horror, badly scripted. To start off with, it's very, very poor. And I think it's mm. got the biggest exponential increase in quality of any film that we've watched so far because it starts off so it shoots badly. Up. Yeah, but, but however, I did like it's, that it was on location. It looked like it was actually potentially in Siberia, not the same park in Pinewood. Well, it's meant to be in Peking. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. For a start. <laughs> The scene very early on, where I thought, "Oh, actually, this looks quite expensive." Was when the train yeah. was about to depart. Yes, and they had a lot of extras, and they obviously filmed it in a. They in did, a yeah. I thought, wow, this says, is pretty oh my, good. Is it outside yeah. extras? Outside yeah. extras, indeed. Outside extras. I think that was all of it. Was shot in Spain, wasn't mm-hmm. it? So that's all. Yeah. that's a Spanish. That's a Spanish and train station somewhere. It's been one of the recurring themes as we've looked at the films of Peter Cushing on uh, General Witchfinders. But this was the film that he made immediately after his wife's death. And he yeah. said about how Christopher Lee had to coax him. Well, he had to sleep in the same bed as him, didn't he? Like, yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't see that on Wikipedia. Yeah. I, one of the things I was reading, he said he, he signed up for the film, then he decided he couldn't do it. So Christopher Lee went and saw him and had told him anecdotes about the films they made together and brought him back on board. Now look here, Peter. He come on. apparently had a panic attack and Chris <laughs> really had to sleep in the same bed with him in order to um, calm him oh, down. Get him through. Oh, yeah. that's awful, isn't it? Poor Peter. I think that needs... That's a uh, BBC Films film waiting to be made, isn't it? The, the night uh, that, that would be incredible. Yeah. That would be incredible. That was. Yeah, real time, and just one it. set in the bed, just um, having that conversation. <laughs> like Dot and Ethel, yeah. when uh, Ethel died. <laughs> <laughs> Except Peter Cushing doesn't die. But it was great to see them on the same side, as it were, yes. in this film. Although they did yeah. have that really good, like, kind of antagonistic relationship where they, like, just disliked each other. And it was good to have Chris Release actually speaking, and that was great. Yes! <laughs> yeah. Rather than just pointing. He looked great. His general look was awesome. He looked yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I thought that. I was thinking, he looks... I was thinking, there's hardly any lines on his forehead. I was thinking, how old is he in this? Yeah. And it's, he was 50 uh, when he made 50. this. 50. Yeah. Yeah, looks brilliant like as well. I wish I looked like good now. <laughs> 
It's um, the start is quite engaging. It's, there's a lot of handheld camera. <clears throat> it feels a lot like it re- weirdly reminded me of the festival films that were made in the late sixties, early seventies of like Woodstock and um. The Isle of Wight Festival, because a lot of it's done on handheld yeah. camera. So you get this weird vibe where they're in the station and you've got this handheld camera kind of stuff. And then you go into this bizarre series of scenes where Christopher Lee's character is just basically vile to the station master guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Throws all of his stuff yes. off his table onto the floor. Well, that's after he's seen um, um, uh, Peter Cushion <laughs> bribing him and he doesn't bribing like him. Yeah. yeah. None of that really makes sense. Well, it's but considering strange. we the, what we know about what was happening with Peter Cushion at that time, this is the first yeah. film I've seen while we're doing this where he's come across as cheerful, smiling, yeah. uh, a nice guy <laughs> to yeah, be around. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was just yeah. great to see him happy and put, and making jokes and stuff in this film. Yeah, I'm but, so pleased to be here. <laughs> yeah, Um But that that for me really. The, doesn't gel with the stuff that's happening outside in the station on location, which is where a guy of a kind of Asian appearance turns up and tries to, for some reason, picks the the large container that is Christopher Lee's property and then, then tries to steal something out of it. Yeah, he tries to pick the lock. Yes, but then ends up discovered underneath it, dead with his eyes turned into um, hard-boiled eggs. Yeah, I think that looked good. That that's an iconic look. That the white eyes and all the blood around it. <laughs> For a corpse. Yeah, I, it's just like you see that yeah. now, and I classic horror. Classic yeah. horror, and it was actually yeah. quite horrific. The, the death scenes are really, really good, and I really enjoyed the death scenes in this film. Mm. I was looking forward to every mm. death scene with great glee to see the next person with some weird jump cuts out of focus, screaming, blood coming out their nose. <laughs> <laughs> Proper horror, though. But of course, straight your disbelief has got to be put to one side where someone is found dead at the station in totally unexplained circumstances. And then all the people that are involved in this death then get on the train like nothing has happened, including the police officer that's investigating the death. (laughs) So he's not based in Peking, he's Russian. Life is cheap in Peking. I think that's what it was, wasn't it? Like, oh well. He was he was a thief. We've missed Rasputin at this before this point. But, <laughs> oh, <laughs> but before we get onto that, the other truly horrific, and I made a note of it, is ra, ra, um, when we're being introduced to all the characters. Um, Christopher Lee talks to Peter Cushing, and he goes, "Oh, have you met my assistant? Who is the, you know kind of the lady who you know she was." Uh, I, I mean, as is often the case, watching these stories, you're like, well, I know her from something. Mm. And I think she was kind of like a stalwart of American TV and had appeared in like lots of sitcoms and things like that. She looks a bit like Nurse Gladys Emanuel. Yes, she did. I'm open all hours. <laughs> and she said, oh, she's an extremely proficient uh, assistant, thorough, with a keen mind. And then she goes, for a woman, that is. For and, a woman. And literally, and, but then, and then you can see that then that's not the end of the line. She goes, for a woman, that is. And, and her mouth is opening and they just cut the dialogue. I was like, that scene obviously ran way long, but it's the most obvious cut I've, ever, I've seen in Yonks. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. There goes that character development. But yeah, then yes. <laughs> yeah. They had to shorten the time before Teddy Savalas came on. They thought like, you know, yeah. we're already waiting yeah. an hour for that. We can't wait That's any what longer. people are paced to see. All of that segment is terrible because the acoustics are totally wrong. We've got Cushing's voice, which is very much in the set, 
mm-hmm. and then you've got everyone else's voices that are dubbed mm-hmm. and sound totally different. So it sounds like they're talking from miles away, and it just. You know, I just, I don't know if it was more noticeable because I was listening to it on headphones. I don't know if it's, if you're in a, in a a cinema, it would make, you know, maybe you wouldn't hear so much of a difference, but I found that really hard to follow because Hmm. the, the, the dialogue was all over the place. When I read about it, I thought it was going to be worse than it was, (laughs) and it wasn't that bad. (laughs) That's on the, that's one for the poster, isn't it? (laughs) I thought it was going to be worse than it was. And then, as Ross says, we are then introduced to one of the really remarkable characters of this film, who I had to make a note of yeah. his name, Pujaron. Pujaron, <laughs> yeah. who, for all intents and purposes, is Rasputin. Is Rasputin, yeah. Like, it's yes. just Russian monk in inverted commas, but he is made up to look. Yeah. And as I was watching, I was like, is the twist here going to be? Because of the, like, the whole time, because it was set you know, pre-Russian um, Revolution, I thought, well, is it going to turn out that he is Rasputin? No, <laughs> yeah. no. He, he's just like Rasputin. And straight away, he's like, there is something afoot here. And he's like, oh, but look, you know, the devil. And watch this. And he does the, like, the maddest thing ever. Like, he gets a bit of chalk out of his pocket. <laughs> Who knew that monks always had chalk with them? And he does, like, the cross. He does a crucifix on a slab. And then he, like, goes up yeah. to the crate. And he goes, look, the chalk will not write on the crates. And I thought, and? <laughs> and I thought, it might just be very waxy. Yeah. That's like, I, I didn't think that was remarkable in any way, shape, or form. Or you can easily game. explain that away as Chris will lead it later on is by hypnosis or yoga. Either of those two. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. brilliant that line. Hypnosis, yoga, yoga. <laughs> they can be very convincing. Man of science, Chris He's yoga. I know about all. I know what about all the paranormal? But he's wonderfully, gr- he's wonderfully grumpy all the way through. Yeah. Yes, all the way through. And yeah, then yeah, Chris, yeah, Christopher yeah. Lee meets the kind of quasi-love interest, but not really, who is like this Russian... Oh, no, she's Polish, isn't Polish she? Polish countess. Yeah, that's right. She's so, a Polish... Yes, yeah, so this countess. But she's a spy as and well, then, isn't she? Oh, no, Turns that's out another, she's a spy. No, that's another spy. That's someone else. Um, that's somebody else. That's someone oh, else. right. That's right. Oh, the one that Christopher Lee meets. Yes, it's very confusing, because the two ladies look virtually the same, don't they? So the Christopher Lee, he's in the baggage compartment, and, um, and he's making sure that he's, um, he's he keeps telling everyone it's just fossils in this big box with a, with a, right. yeah, with, with a door at eye height. It's just fossils. There's nothing else in there. But don't don't open it up. And then the countess comes Stones. in with, with some sexy. And every, no one knows what a fossil is in this. He has to keep explaining what fossils <laughs> are to everyone. Yeah. Um, and then the, the sexy Polish uh, countess comes in with some sexy accordion music playing. But she's got like her dog, which is um, she's something he usually likes English. <laughs> but there's something in this box it doesn't like yeah i was yeah, wondering how yeah, they got yeah, that yeah. dog to bark quite so much at, at uh, peter cushing um told the dog that his wife had just died <laughs> uh, um, the dog the, the dog was so traumatized that he just barked for two weeks and telly tavalas actually had to put the dog down really stamped on it <laughs> We, this is when we find out that there is some kind of uh, rivalry between uh, Chris Lee's yes. character and um, Peter Cush's character. And Peter Cush, as we see earlier, with doing a bit of bribery, he bribes the the man who's in charge of the the baggage compartment to have a look inside yeah. the box of fossils. Uh, but what also something else we should point out that the Countess gives the man in there a a package to put into the uh, the safe. Oh right, yes. Yeah. 
should I jump in with an observation at this point that about Cushion and uh, Lee's characters? Have either of you seen either version of um, the two cinema versions of you know, The Lady Vanishes? Oh, a long time ago. The Hitchcock one a long time ago. I've seen the black ago. and white one. Yes, yeah. the Hitchcock one. There's got Charters and Caldecott. Yes, yes. And that's... Mm. Um, it's a it's a comedy. Well, they became a duo based on those characters, and they made a series that's of films. Right. Yeah, 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 films. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're in um, they're in Dead of Night. They're playing the same characters but different character names. Okay. Um, and then in the 1970s version, which was made after this, which is Elliot Gould and Sybil Shepherd, it's Arthur Lowe cool. and I think. Ian Carmichael or someone like that. I can't remember who it is now. But that's what I thought straight away when I saw these two, that they are basically just rip-offs. Rips. Rips-offs? Mm. Yeah. Rip-offs of, of, of Charters and Caldicott. And not done badly at all. And I, and I think that, that as the film goes on, I think that, uh, you're kind of pleased that they're there because otherwise it's a bit... It's a weird meeting of two very different worlds of cinema. And mm. you've got this kind of, like you say, this Italian giallo style um, horror cinema where all of the audio was added later, which to kind of British ears sounds really, really weird. And then you've just got these two kind of stalwarts that come in bizarrely into this kind of alien world where then Telly Savalas turns up for no reason. And brilliantly. And also, there's a kind of a spy film into the mix. Everything's in here. It's mad. When Chris Lee meets the the Polish uh, countess, uh, she describes the English as Queen Victoria, crumpets, and Shakespeare. Those are crumpets. I, yeah. And I and I wrote fair enough. Yeah. I thought that was alright. Yeah. If you just add in casual racism, there you go. <laughs> Bang. Frey Bentos. Oh, Frey Bentos. Done. <laughs> The dialogue in this is like when you used to see stuff on Clive James shows in the in the eighties uh, or nineties, where Japanese had been translated. No, English had been translated into Japanese and then back again, mm-hmm. and it would be and and obviously the results would mean that it was unintelligible rubbish. A lot of the dialogue in this is unintelligible rubbish, written by someone who, who as if they've never spoken English. Well, you should try they've and watch like, it how it, I watched it today, whereas I had it on double speed with um, the predicted <laughs> subtitles on, and the subtitles are completely <laughs> wrong. So every time they cut to a, the train, it was saying applause, So because it was picking up <laughs> double speed train sounds <laughs> as yeah, applause yeah. on there. Sounds like a more of a voice yeah, so it's, because we originally were going to record this last week, I hadn't seen it for a week, so I wanted to make sure I had up to date, but I couldn't sit through. It's quite a long up film, isn't date. it? Yeah, so. No, it's an hour and a half. I found it's very, a 90 It feels long. long. It feels really long. But, um, the first half the first half is very long, and then the second half just absolutely whips by. And there's no ending. There's no real proper code. <laughs> oh, 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 no, 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 no. Let's come to the no. end at the end. That's my favourite bit. Come to bit. the end at, at the end, yes. That's when we meet the second lady. This is uh, someone who is obviously sneaking on the train. And she yeah. she comes to, to um, Peter Cushion's character and says, I have no ticket. I need to get to Shanghai. I'm sure I can make it worth your while. And it's so blatantly that I will sleep with you if you let, if you let me hide <laughs> yeah. in your carriage. But she doesn't know at that point that um, Peter's grieving his wife, Helen. And, uh, you know, that comes... It's very crass what she's... And he only wants to sleep with his best friend, um, Christopher Lee. No, no, the midget. The midget cranky woman. (laughs) She's assistant in this film. 
But then, then we find out that Christopher Lee has been put into the same uh, carriage, Peter Cushion, and the the woman he's trying mm-hmm. to hide out. And she's pretty much implies that she can help come to an arrangement for both. Nice. Of them. Um, so, you know, back, no. back, back to the res. Beyond, Ross focuses on, on, on like the we're, um, I elements. think we're all struggling with, with the notes with this because <laughs> it's like, for me, the two women in it, the two kind of pinup women in it. I couldn't, I, it, this sounds really misogynist, but I couldn't tell the difference between them. And that's because their get up in it is just all purpose European 70s cinema babe. Yeah. And they just looked mm. like exactly, the, they just had different hair. Their makeup and everything, their outfits, everything was the same. Yeah. And I thought, I think that made it really hard to differentiate between their characters, what their characters are actually doing. The first woman that introduces to Christopher Lee, the Countess, she's kind of yeah. The Countess is just kind of there with with the, her much older Count, who is was it a father or or husband? Do you think? Oh, I don't know. I presumed husband, but maybe father. I don't know. Because, it, fact, because the way they were, he he felt like he was grooming her in order to get together with with Christopher Lee, because she was asking him, what outfits do I need to wear when I see him? And all oh, that yes, thing. yes. Yeah, so, yeah, and yeah, that's yeah, what I was yeah. thinking. Are they yeah. married and trying to get into some kind of like, tryst <laughs> yeah. or something? A dowry oh, situation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but then, so just coming on to the Count and Countess, why have they got this monk travelling with him with them? Because <laughs> apparently well, that, he's being paid to pray for them, they've been told. But yeah. Well, again, this is this is very close to, you know, the Rasputin thing, was it? The, the kind yeah. of the, uh, the Romanovs, you know, the Russian ruling royal, royal family at the time. If you had power and influence, you know, they, they had kind of a, a religious advisor or a spiritual advisor. So I think it's just playing on the notion of they thought a 1970s audience would go, oh, okay, kind of Eastern European Russian-esque monarchy they will have a Rasputin-esque spiritual advisor with them. To flagellate mm. himself in order for them to do whatever they want, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do yeah. whatever they want. I'm watching, I've got this going while we're, talk, while we're talking about this. So at this point, we got the chap, the baggage cart guy. He's whistling this tune to himself as he's unscrewing mm-hmm. the... Uh, well, Peter Cushing has asked someone on the train, because all the men on the train look the same. They've all got the same outfit on. They've all got the same face. Um, he's asked someone to drill into this box where Christopher Lee's stones and fossils are because he's interested to see what's in there. Why Peter Cushing's there, we don't know. Why he's interested in the what's in the box, I don't think we know. Are they kind of rivals in archaeology? But or? they're completely different types of science. So why would they be rivals? Like, because he's into... Oh, like, right. Think, because, yeah, yeah, because I he's think... into like um, diseases and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, so he opens the box and then this guy, the whistling guy, watches a hairy arm come out. Yeah, and I thought it was you that yeah. was in there, please, <laughs> looking at that. Me too. Yeah. Right? I was going to watch, but I thought it, was, it would be overly cruel. I think it might have been when Ross was having a bad day. Let me see if I've got... If I go back to my camera... I thought well, I'd keep coming out. Have you got one of my hairy arms of him put on shot? <laughs> That's going to go. Ross, let, Ross lets himself in after another heavy night out at Jago's in Dorchester. I was going to put. But then I thought, no, it's a bit cool. And I'm going gonna... to... Talking to a one-eared farmer. <laughs> <laughs> so this, um, this sequence really made me think of... Um, Dracula, like this film is basically ripped off from loads of other, it's a bit like the rap actually, where it's this idea, it's this idea, it's this idea. This is basically Dracula when Dracula is in the Demeter going from Bremen or wherever it is to Whitby in the novel, isn't it? Mm. He's in the, 
He's in the cask thing. Yeah. Cask or casket. It's not a cask. You put wine in a cask. Yeah, don't you? casket. He's yeah. in the mm. he's in the casket and he comes out of the casket. And it's also I know I always go on about Mr. James, but <laughs> this this part is a blatant ripoff of Count Magnus, a story by Mr. James, which is very similar to Dracula, where a guy becomes obsessed with a dead Swedish nasty nobleman, and then the ghost of this nobleman lets himself out of his casket and then chases the man across Europe. Mm-hmm. So I think I think there's two very, very big shouts out to those stories there, which isn't a bad thing at all. Mm-hmm. And what I always like with mm. films like this, they're, they're a bit like Easter eggs, those kind of things, aren't they? Yeah, they're, the knowledge. They're little, you can see them as little treats for fans of genre stuff that, that they can see the kind of homage, where, you know, when it's... Or the influence, to, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's coming an absolute mile off. You're like, oh yeah, this is Dracula now, or this is, you know, this is Cleaver's arm coming through. <laughs> but when we what? So when he was reaching out, bending the nail and picking the lock, I'd forgotten yeah. that he he was sucking the the skills and the knowledge out of everyone. I was going, I was going, how does he bloody? How does he know how to do? Well, that? you haven't found you haven't found that out at that point. Yeah, so I've written loads of notes about how stupid this was. Not really. Well, that's what I thought, and then when I saw. Oh, and then when they said, "Oh, he, he, it's the bagman and the thief that are the, that are the first people that he's um, yeah." But he starts whistling the brain out of yeah. I was like, "Whoa, that's actually really, really clever," and it made me kind of reassess the film at that point. And and for me at that point, that's when the film got much more enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. I want to say now that I enjoyed this more than I enjoyed the thing. John Carpenter's the thing. Oh, Whoa. <laughs> okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, I'm, yeah. later on, I was going to say that the thing is, if not in my top ten, easily in my top twenty films of all time. Well, it's, it's, it's a masterpiece. Well, well, and it's genius. Well, 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 well. Um, and I th- and later on, I was going to say my big takeaway from this is is it's such a brilliant idea. And what Carpenter took from it is that whole thing of like paranoia and how do you know if you can't even trust yourself? You know, yeah. that's, the, that's his brilliant turn in in the thing is to say. It might have already got to you and mm. copied you, and you might not even know it. So, not only the kind of like the, taking forward that 1950s paranoia from the original Who Goes There, but then saying you can't even trust yourself. And that's fantastic. And then at the end, you know, and that incredible ending where who's won really at mm. the end? Has anyone won? Mm. But we know all you know is that the thing hasn't. Mm. Uh, and that's, that's great. So, whereas I think John Carpenter's The Thing has got that extra level on it, and, and so mm. obviously that, the insane special effects from Rob Bottin that this film didn't have. But I find that at heart, (laughs) it's a really great concept. It's really, and I thought if they remade this, as with so many of the things we're looking at, if they remade this now, it'd be amazing. A remake of this, and the idea that I had at the end, which I messaged you both on WhatsApp, which Mm. is, we'll come to at the end, what my idea was that this is going to turn out to be, and then it wasn't. That that is the absolute chef's kiss for the remake of this that we're going to make. Because that that's yeah. a brilliant resolve to the problem of this film, which is that this film doesn't have an ending at all. Ending, correct. <laughs> back to the yeah, back to the plot. So they've opened the box and they found yeah. that the the baggage man's inside there with his eyes all yes. white and, and all the blood. And um, they they are, they are arresting um, Christopher Lee because they think that he's got, he's um, 
he's responsible for this. And um, one of the soldiers, which I've written down here, why are there so many soldiers on the train? And I did it occur to me, why, yeah. is, why is the policeman on the train? As you say, yeah. John, yeah. John, he just got on this train to try and, yeah. okay, I, 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 I'm going to solve this this um, this uh, this crime en route to wherever we're going. <laughs> but yeah, they, they make the... Um, and, and Let's also, all get on the train, guys. Yeah. It's like magical mystery tour. <laughs> <laughs> it also occurred to me that all these Russian people look incredibly uh, Spanish, don't they? <laughs> uh, <laughs> very tanned. I didn't know it was Delgado doing the voice of um, whoever he does the voice of. Did you say the police officer? The inspector, yeah. Uh, who at one point the the monk calls master, which was which was a nice touch. Oh. Mm. What I also thought is that the monk looks a lot like Anthony Ainley, who obviously was the next. Well, he, he wasn't the next exactly, but probably the next most famous master as well. So that's interesting. Neither of them, of course, appeared in Spearhead from Space. Oh, yeah. Which is the only Doctor Who serial to be totally shot on 16mm. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a very interesting fact. <laughs> Neither of them are in that. It's, it's at this point as well, trains that they start to realise that there's murders happening on the train and that, you know, something's afoot. And then we get the best line from a Pujaron. You know, yeah. I'm just going to call him Rasputin from this point yeah. in. He says, yeah. he says to his, his to the nobility, the, who are his paymasters, there's yeah. a stink of hell on this train. <laughs> Even the dog knows it. <laughs> Even the dog. Even the dog. Well, right, the like, dog then is, the is never seen again. The dog disappears. You don't yeah. see the dog Ooh. again. The, all, the, all the guards who look, all look like Che Guevara they do not look Russian whatsoever <laughs> and uh, the hairy arm is now like waving over the top of sleeping children which is quite a, uh, a spooky yeah what was that imagery <laughs> that just... was weird because you don't see the children again do you and no. it's like why is that to show that the children have nothing in their brains that it's interested in or yeah but that was interesting I guess so yeah yeah yeah. yeah, I thought at first that was to do with that it spares the children, and you kind of meant mm. to think, "Oh, that's interesting." Mm, maybe it's not so bad. Moral, yeah, or they, can, they just couldn't kill children, yeah. but they wanted to have the idea of threat towards yeah, children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what did you think of the makeup, the monster makeup at this point? I have to say <laughs> that I really enjoy all of the makeup effects in this film for their kind of sheer analog brilliance of someone having light bulbs stuck over their eyes. Yeah. Because it wasn't LEDs, Held was it? It must have been an <laughs> no, actual light bulb. Yeah, it was an actual like torch bulb with like held in place with what looked like putty. <laughs> um, but again, it's just like all these films we're watching, like the charm and the kind of chutzpah of doing it is actually mm. like, I'm going to go with this. Because, you know, I'd rather watch this in the Age of Ultron or, or contemporary Doctor Who. Let's put that out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm going to touch all of my uh, cliches yeah, in one. <laughs> you touch but it's interesting no, that, that they, they decided to use the hairy arm, the identifier <laughs> the of, of the monster. Yeah. <laughs> that was the working title of this film, The Hairy Arm. The Hairy Arm of Siberia. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's Ross's new username on a, a <laughs> website of your choice. <laughs> <laughs> there's a sequence at this point that's a little bit... Hammers Dracula 1958, where the woman who is the spy comes up to Peter Cushing and she's like, Help me. And that's exactly like the part in the Hammer Dracula where Jonathan Harker comes to the castle and the and the bride of Dracula kind of pops up and is like, and I think actually says, Help me, you will help me. And and that was another thing that made me think this is like 
it's almost like repetition of uh, it's almost the raison d'etre of the whole film is that the film is a mashup of different parts of other films yes. and other kind of it's you know it, it's the two stars it's telly Tavalas, and then the actual storyline is is a mashup of other sci-fi stuff it's it's a very I started watching it, uh, watching it, thinking this is going to be awful. I've tried to watch it before when it was on talking pictures. Yes, talk, I was going to say talking television pictures. Then when it was on talking pictures, and I don't know if that was a bad print or what, but it just looked it was unwatchable on there. I enjoyed this a lot more than I expected to because there's so That's much good. in it that you kind of feel comforted and kind of feels just familiar, really. The yeah. bit where they're looking down a microscope and they see a bloody oh. brontosaurus. And it's a pterodactyl. It's so insane that it's almost brave. That it's yeah. like, we're gonna, are we going to do this? Yeah, we're going to do it. Should yeah, we do not? it? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. But all, what? So, so that's the point where they, they, they take the eyes out of the dead bodies mm. and they realise that the um, the eyes are capturing the last thing the uh, the person saw before they died, mm-hmm. um, which is like a weird sort of myth which go, is out yes, there. which has been in a lot of genre stuff, hasn't it? That, that yeah. That's why murderers would take people's eyes out because they thought that the police would be able to trace them from seeing from somehow mm. reading what their eyes had encoded. But but, the, but what, it didn't, what they didn't realise is if you scroll around a bit, you can see dinosaurs <laughs> and... It's like a few master. <laughs> and, and eventually you can see planet Earth, of course. Which, yeah, uh, from, from, which is, from space. Which is absolutely bonkers. Yeah, it was like yeah. a few master. Was, yeah. Once again, I, for my notes, for all of that, was my... It's a reoccurring theme of, that's not how science works, horror films. <laughs> yeah. you know, th- this time, uh, Peter Cushion goes, the information absorbed through the eyes and i yeah. thought that's not how encoded information in the brain <laughs> you can't absorb it through the eyeballs i don't uh, care what alien you are that's impossible amazing. that doesn't it's work amazing. mr savalas yes your agent uh Yes. Hello, baby. How are you? Well, I got one for you. <laughs> You're going to drink Bacardi in a commercial. But I already drink Bacardi. Oh, I know that. You know that, but they don't know that. Listen, they want you to drink it where it comes from. In the Bahamas. But I am drinking it in the Bahamas. So if I know that. You know that, but they don't know that. All I want you to do is say it tastes good. I've always said it tastes good. I know that. You know that, but they don't know that. Hello. Bacardi rum. With a character all of its own. Hello. I thought you was changing your agent. I know that. You know that. But you don't know that. <laughs> Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. They try some dead bodies, and they go. They go to uh, Peter Cushion while he's having dinner, uh, all in, yeah. all in his sort of dinner yeah, suit. Yeah. He said, uh, "Are you a doctor?" And he said, um, "Try ask me after I finish my dinner." <laughs> yeah, nice. so, yeah, you know, he doesn't know what the emergency is, but all he cares about is like, <laughs> I don't care. Wait till my dinner's finished. Yeah, yeah. But the, but then he then he goes and asks the the older lady who is his assistant, and he said, uh, "I should need your assistance." And he looks up and sees that he's sitting with this young spy. She says, um, at your age, I'm not surprised. Yes. And, and then he, and he does, gives her like a double take. Yeah. And it's, but what is she inferring? What, 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 what does she, what does she think she's asking him to assist <laughs> her with? So, Again, um, there's so many free some foursomes going on on this train. Or, to or perform people sexual congress with the younger woman. Yeah. <laughs> Build him a splint or something. At this point, it goes straight in Frankenstein, as in the Curse of Frankenstein or any Hammer Frankenstein that you want to mention because Cushing then goes straight into the autopsy where he yeah, he asks for a type of saw and he literally <laughs> does it in exactly the same way that he does when he's playing Baron Frankenstein and I just thought yeah. this is hilarious that they're just like he doesn't look at who he's talking to puts his hand over his shoulder he says something like ten and saw they give him the saw and he carries on cutting the top of the guy's brain open um, and then they, they find that the brain Miraculously. Smooth as a baby's bottom. <laughs> yeah. Why would why would memories being removed from someone's brain make it go smooth? <laughs> because the memories are just like carved into them. Yeah. Yeah, that's all it is. It's like Braille. I'm surprised that you didn't see the face of the murderer imprinted on the brain. <laughs> on the brain. That would, <laughs> yeah. yeah that, would, that would make as much sense. But that, so that's what they say. The other line... Well, there's a, there's a wonderful, the other line that made me laugh out loud was um, mm. at one point, uh, the, uh, at one point, Christopher Lee says, there's a scientific explanation for all of this. And the Countess mm. goes, do you know it? And he just goes, no. No. <laughs> 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 Is this at the point? Trust me. This, 
but, yeah, but there's a scientific explanation for everything. <laughs> there is. Do you know what it is? I just don't understand it. No. No. <laughs> Next. There's also a phrase at this point which I enjoyed, which is the riddles of science. Yeah, nice. The riddles of science. <laughs> ah, riddle me this, scientist. My notes at this point start to become a lot more staccato now because... That's mad, because so, that mine too. Until the yeah. entrance of Telly Savalas, <laughs> I, I only wrote two things Okay, now. so what happens is um, uh, Peter Cushion is getting excited because he thinks he's going to have the night in the um, cabin with the, the spy lady. Right. Uh, he's, he's, yes. he's got his dressing gown on. He said it's your turn to go and use the bathroom. Yeah. She goes, yeah, but he's been in the lab and he's like, yeah, your turn now, yeah. darling. Yeah. I'd uh, leave it 10 minutes if I were you. <laughs> so she goes off pretends to go to the bathroom, but, but then goes and picks the lock of the safe and steals an item which was put in there earlier by the Countess. And then she's killed by the ape man who's been hiding on the roof of the train all mm-hmm. this time. Because they think he's gone. Like in a box, like Roger Moore dressed as a gorilla. Maybe all of this film is the precursor to Roger Moore dressed as a gorilla in Octopussy. It's got to be, isn't it? The spy lady looks strangely like Jane McDonald. So I've written Jane McDonald murdered great. That's a, head, that's a, that's a newspaper headline, isn't it? Because her murder is probably the best murder. She really, she has a gutsy murder and she screams a lot. There's lots of weird cross-cutting. There's like double exposure. Those bits, I can't imagine. What would that be like in a cinema? That would be great having seen those bits on the big screen. Oh, yeah, big, big, yeah, very good, very good. You think evil can be killed with bullets? (laughs) (laughs) The only thing that I've written down is Shoot! Shoot, you stupid Russian! <laughs> and she's not in the toilet. Yeah. And goes into the baggage, and then the hairy arm starts grabbing <laughs> yeah, around the yeah, toilet. Yeah. He, spray, he goes in and he sprays a bit because he's like, whoa, she's left a real stink in there. <laughs> and then um, Roger Delgado turns up and starts just like shooting. Wildly. No, no uh, regard at all that Peter Cushion's standing in the way. He has to jump out the way yeah. and kills the monster at this point. But just before he does... Yeah. The red light comes on on the eyeball, and you have like yeah. a sound effects, and which is great. At which at that point, that policeman gets a hairy arm, which he has to keep in his pocket for the rest yes. Of the- so why does he get the hairy arm? Yeah, I mean it's obvious why he does, but it, it, later on it's explained that this creature is energy and it's lived in fish, peas, or something. I can't remember. Yeah, fish and veg and stuff. And then it's, you know, it's lived in this frozen ape for like two million years. But then what, when, when it transfers to the policeman, why does it transfer the hairy arm? Just so the audience can get, oh, right, okay. That's, I, I just thought it was the lowest con- common denominator thing, really. He's a baddie now. They were discussing why and how this transfers from body to the, bo- the body. And someone says, it sucks other people's brains. <laughs> It, this, it's surprisingly high death toll in this film, isn't there? It goes, it, I mean, it's willy nilly and it's kind of later. Yeah, bonkers. Yeah, yeah. With a, it kills a whole train carriage full of Cossacks. Yeah. So this is when, when they do the um, the experiment on the eyeball and they realise it's got pictures of dinosaurs inside the eyeball. And then the the Russian yeah. the Rasputin sees this, calls it the eye of Satan, and steals the eye. And goes and hides, yeah. runs away, and they're all trying to get the um, the eye back off and, of him. And for reasons that aren't entirely clear, or that I maybe wasn't concentrating hard enough, 
that for a man of God, he suddenly kind of like switches allegiances. He's like, yes. Yeah, all right. I'm team Satan now. <laughs> yeah, very quickly. I'm with you. I also don't know why the eye is so important because it's not like they can get any information out of because the Because imagine how much you could charge people to look at... A picture um, of a brontosaurus, brontosaurus on a viewmaster. On, on an eye viewmaster. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. That's a very good. So point. then, um, the the older assistant goes <laughs> looking for the eye, and she and she sees the um the policeman um who is now the possessed monster, and said, so "If you can find that eye, I'll give you so much money." But then he kills yeah. her. Um, but the Rasputin is hiding in the in the um in the baggage carts and sees that the the policeman is the monster with the the stuck on red glowing eyes. Uh, and at that point, <laughs> the the policeman says that you've got nothing in your mind. I want and just leaves him. And it's like, yeah. why? Why does he not kill him? Yeah, Be- even if he doesn't need he has him. No skills. He just knows about yeah. Jesus, like me. Yeah, <laughs> I think. I mean, that's <laughs> that's like that. I think that's a, 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 the film trying to make a comment on religion. Yes, isn't it? and it's like, would you take this film's word on anything, let alone religion? And the answer is no. Uh, what I really, uh, what I always like is when a really bad B movie tries to be profound, mm-hmm. and I love that idea of like you know, Satanic Rites of Dracula that we've done. Have we done that yet, or or is that in the future? Well, that's not the storm before this. Yeah, so they would have heard that. All oh, right, okay. So they have heard that. So that's like you know, this brings up all these big uh, questions about you know, Dracula. Does he want to just rule over a dead planet? Mm. And like this one is uh, as well is like your mind has nothing for me. And it's like, because you are religious, but it's like, you're in a, you're in a bloody 300,000 pound, a horror movie filmed in Spain. <laughs> it's not, um, it's not, a great you know, work it's not Scorsese. Yeah. No. So it's like, I, but, but I really love that. Cause I always admire someone for stuck in, for sticking really. It's actually about something. Well, you know, it's just silly, isn't it? It's just um... yeah, but at least they're trying to. But I was, I watched a really good um, horror film of the weekend on Shudder. It was called The Dark and the Wicked, yeah. And it okay. was, um, it's, it's all about a father of a family is dying, and the the, the mother kills herself, um, but she, she's saying thing that thing someone's trying that. to take, and it's basically <laughs> someone's trying to take his soul, and um, it's. It's really frightening. I, sh- you know, lots of jump scares, which I shit myself. But and then it just ended. <laughs> but I, was, I was thinking that it was really effective. It was really scary, but it wasn't about anything. There wasn't. A, there was no story to it. No. At all. There was no there was... Horror, horror films like that bore the living piss out of me when it's just literally like some new people have moved to the area. What are they doing in the house at night? Let's go and break into the house. Oh my god, there's something weird in the basement. And then it's like an uh, uh, they're in the basement for an hour. There's loads of jump scares, and then it finishes yeah. with someone running down the street screaming. It's, it's not, not about it's anything, is it? It's just no. It's like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of school of horror, isn't it? Where it's literally like I was scared, but yeah, there was no ideas in it. I think one of the things that's coming out of a lot of the stuff we're doing now, at least there's ideas in it. <clears throat> it might not be particularly yes. scary. It might not. Uh, well, the ideas in this, there's loads of really interesting ideas in this mm. film, um, which which I was quite surprised because I couldn't remember what it was about. So I did, <laughs> I mean, 99% of people will watch this and say, what is this rubbish? But I think us three are lucky enough to see the, the, the pearls amongst mm. the... Uh, shit, shit, yeah. 
And then my skittish notes just say, I'm on charge. So yeah, they're doing lots of magnifying glasses and looking at people's eyes. They get, they get to the uh, the inspector and they don't see anything in his eye either. Ooh. No. So that's a bit of a MacGuffin there, isn't it? Because there's nothing in the eyes. So that's just a bit of a waste oh, of time. It's, it's, really. it's similar to in the thing later on where they're trying to ident- use it, using right. yeah, the blood, blood with the, the hot yeah. wire. What they should have actually done is said, let's look at everyone's hands. Yeah, who's got hairy Because health? he's got a big... Big hairy claw on. They want to stop the train, but then the inspector goes and stops the guy who's doing the um, Morse code to try and uh, get them to stop the train. And I was just thinking, there was so many um, films set on trains in the seventies. I think like one of my sort of recurring childhood memories of watching <laughs> lots of films set on trains. There's always people having fights on top of trains. So there was always, but mm-hmm. it's just one of those, yeah. one of those things, wasn't there? That. This is a, a bottle, a way of doing a bottle story where people can't get off. And, mm. and in films, you can't stop a train. Mm. Doesn't matter what, what's going on on there. You can't stop no. the train. Um, it's it's, it's <laughs> got to keep going. And it's just, it, it, we don't yeah. have many train movies anymore. No. My favourite train movie is from Russia with Love when uh, Sean and uh, Robert Shaw have the big fight. Yeah. And no one comes to see what's happening. Like, they have the most violent percussive fight in screen history it's a brilliant fight scene and literally no one on the train is like what the hell is going on down there these two guys are beating seven shades of shit out of each other and uh, I, yes i love that and the bit where he's like red wine with fish <laughs> old man uh, that's my favorite uh that's my favorite train film and uh and also and my favorite bit is when rosa Klebb comes out and punches him in the stomach <laughs> Outside a big mansion yes. with a yeah. spotlight Brilliant. on it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if that's how the sequence goes. In my mind, that's all that matters. Because he doesn't even look like a muscular guy. He just looks like a normal mm. man. And she's like, yes, yes, very good, uh, agent, whatever. I've, I've digressed very much here. So anyway, the thing. <laughs> when they're sending the message to say not to stop the train... That's when you find yeah. Teddy Savalas is, is with all his Cossacks. <laughs> Wait, hold on, a, Ross. In hold a cage. on. First of all, a, a little, <laughs> little bit of background in the fact that they got Teddy Savalas. Yeah. Basically, he did this film so he could buy a, a yeah. flat in London for his girlfriend, which is amazing. Yeah. That's, so, you know, he was he's in it. You could tell that he, he was probably on set for two days, two days yeah. maximum. And the internet says that apparently he improvised most of his dialogue, which yeah, you get the you feeling. Tell. Really? You surprised yeah, me? None of it makes yeah. any fucking sense. And the, the soundtrack, um, we've already talked about the soundtrack on this. The guy who did the soundtrack is a friend of Telly Savalas's, who then went on to do the soundtrack for, did the, the theme for Kojak. Uh, which then, then made them, did the music for Satanic Rise of Dracula. No way! Is the flat that he bought in London the flat that John Hammond <laughs> did in Dracula AD 1972? It must be. She's definitely got a drawing of Dracula Wow. Galaxy brain stuff there, isn't it? It's brilliant. Yeah. So, yeah, so he turns up, and for me, it's one of the great entrances in cinema history, in that he's obviously supposed to be in charge of the. He doesn't look anything like a Cossack. He just looks like no. a bold Greek bloke, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> that doesn't matter at all. Um, we find that while his men are just sort of sat around playing cards and what have you, he's in bed, which immediately yeah, makes some, him a hero yeah, for me, horse. with a young lady. Yeah. 
I was like, what? what, what? But <laughs> behind, I'm. Is it? Is it not behind a cage? Uh, yeah, I, probably. I thought that. I, it looks like he's in some kind of like stable <laughs> or something, doesn't it? Dog, dog yeah. kennel. But he, he, he says um, some weird line. The guy there. He says something like, oh. um, "Every line is." Let me just find. I've got it written down here. Stuff. That a horse has four legs, oh, the murderers... Oh, come on, mate. If you're going to do it, <laughs> give it yeah, some. Yeah, you do it. You do it, it, you do it. A horse has four legs. A murderer has two arms. And a devil must be afraid of an honest Cossack. Which makes no sense whatsoever. But what a line of dialogue. Yeah. What a line of dialogue that is. It's very um, Colonel Kurtz and uh, To a degree, yes. Now, isn't it? It's very Mark. It's very Marlon Brando-y kind of... At least you can understand what he's saying. (laughs) So, yeah, they decide that, you know, so so these Cossacks, so they are going to be going through sort of Cossack territory. And so, you know, they get wind, don't they, that there's been hijinks aboard the Trans-Siberian Express. And so it's like, right, balls to all this. Let's get Telly Savalis on board and let's sort this out once and for all. I did Google, uh, well, yeah. I did go on eBay whilst watching this for Cossack coat because I did, he, he just like his look. Yeah. He looks amazing in yeah. this. <laughs> the next doctor, would, would you would you vote for the next doctor to be Telly Savalas dressed like yeah, this? Yeah, why not? <laughs> I don't know when it happened, but there's 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 an amazing line when uh, and I thought, oh, there you go. This this kind of sums up kind of like the the ingrained. Uh, feeling in this movie of uh, like British superiority, this myth of British superiority. Yeah, that's At one a great point, line. Mon- Christi- yeah. um, Peter Christian goes, Monster? Why, we're British! As if we couldn't be. You know, like, oh, there you go. I think there's an awful lot of improvisation going on here, isn't there? I think that they looked at, I think the three main stars, one of whom was on set for like 20 minutes, looked at the script and thought, this is absolute rubbish. We're going to have to try and add some humour and kind of... A bit of life to this. Pizzazz yeah. to this. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So, so at definitely. this point, there's a character which we haven't mentioned before who's like a young scientist on Oh, yeah, on yeah, there. yeah. The poor engineer. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he, he's an idiot, though. He's playing he? chess. Pointless. The monster in the body of the inspector goes to speak to him about space, yeah, rock. space rockets. Oh, God, could you and then he gravity? kills him while, he's, <laughs> while a woman, American lady's in, the, in, the, in that carriage with him. And then... They realise that every time someone's killed, they're found in a dark room. So they realise that there's something to do with the darkness. Yes. And not explained. No, yeah, not explained at all. But it's, it's just so that the light bulbs work in the eyes, basically, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's got to kill everyone in the dark because he's got torch bulbs stuck in his eyes. And that's the only reason we're going to turn the lights out. Uh, otherwise, we're not going to be able to see. I mean, and, and also, we won't be able to see the putty that's holding the light bulbs in place. And presumably the wires somewhere, because um, plugged into the mains. You know, unless they, yeah, unless he had a battery in his mouth. Uh, how are they going to do it? So then, then Telly Savalas comes on board, gets everyone to a room, and just is rude to everyone. Uh, <laughs> you can question Telly Savalas's methods, but he gets results <laughs> within yeah. th- like thirty seconds of being on board. He, he, you know, he threatens a few people, and stuff starts happening. Yeah, identifies who the and, you killer know, unorthodox, is. Unorthodox. And yeah, yeah, yeah. They figure out in two yeah. seconds who the kid. I was like, right, here you go. Now things well, are happening. Well, Chris Lee turns the lights off and then the eyes light up. Tilly Tavares, with no effort at all, throws a sword into the back of the inspector. <laughs> Talking of no effort at all, I need to skip back to the start of the film where they're trying to open the, the casket thing with an axe. Yeah. And the guy swinging the axe, he might as well be swinging a cotton bud yeah. or... um. 
What were those things <laughs> that the gladiators? Pugil, pugil stick. Yeah, he might have thrown a, well a pugil stick onto, <laughs> like, and he hits a chain once, and the chain just falls to pieces, and it's like, what? It's just absurd. It looks ridiculous. Yes, yeah, so well, but before um, he throws the knife into the inspectors, but the, uh, the Rasputin tries to defend his new master. Who uh, yes. at one point he's, yes. he, he does the uh, the prayer, my father who art in hell. Thus confirming, yeah, turns. which I really enjoyed that part. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I just realised is a bit of a Renfield and Dracula kind of scenario. Yes, yes. very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they take the artist, um whips the guy with a cat of nine yeah, tails, no throws the knife into the back of um, the the inspector when they re- when they realise he's got Please. a hairy arm. But before he dies, he transfers his his body into yeah. uh, or his essence into Rasputin's body. Into Peter point. Davison. <laughs> oh no. Sorry. <laughs> The watcher turns up. <laughs> but this is when it gets brilliant for me. This, this is when it gets brilliant. Yeah. This film is yeah. brilliant. Please. But it gets even this more brilliant. This film is more fun. They, they go than... all out. This is when it goes all out. Yeah, all the lights are <laughs> yeah. off. And Rasputin just goes into like a killing... Fr- There's so many Cossacks get killed. Well, actually, it's, everyone gets killed. Yeah. Some, including yeah. Telly Yeah, and Telly yeah. Tellys is a, a brilliant death scene. Right. So, he puts up more yeah, of a yeah, fight yeah. though, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, yes, uh, <laughs> and st- uh, some great choices were gri- gripping his head as uh, the the seventies. Yeah, I do effect. like the head gripping. <laughs> Peter Cushion and Chris Lee's got everyone else to run to the back of the train while this is all going. Yeah. Yes, they're very British about it. All. They kind of say to him, "You've got nothing else to do. Or you've got nowhere else to go." And he goes, "Ah, no, but there's more." And we we learn that he's got like this extra power that he can raise a zombie army. Yes, so everyone he's killed like, so far. They, yeah. they all rise up, and then Christopher Lee has to battle through them all. It's amazing. A, with awesome. A, with a sword. And, a, and again, now, as I was watching it, I thought, my God, if you were remaking this now, what you'd have is you could say, right, they would have something that the alien would want. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's like, right, oh, yeah. get it into the last compartment. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then like have it like siege style have like the yeah. zombie Cossack army. And them having to fight off, I thought, oh, that would be the fact that would be really good. But even as, even yeah. as it is, I thought this is quite a really quite modern yeah. fight thing. When they go through it, and it was very exciting. But it's I did all, enjoy this part very much. All the eyes are lighting up. They've all got white, yeah. all the white and the blood and all that kind of all stuff. The, all the white and the blood. <laughs> all the white and the blood. They get a message, say um, they've got to stop the train. The guy said, oh, maybe there's a war. Pulls a lever. Yeah, maybe there's yeah. a war. Yeah, pulls a lever. Yeah. Chris quickly, yeah. Chris Lee um, and Peter Cushion dis- detach the the last carriage, and you, that's not shown. All they do is lift up a flap, and and their hands go out of shot, and it's like they've <laughs> they've managed to uncouple using their bare hands and no tools a railway <laughs> carriage. Just English brawn. <laughs> yes. Yeah, can do spirits. <laughs> Yoink. Yeah, and then yeah. The, the train the train is is put off onto a separate track. Which why would anyone build a separate track which goes off the edge off of a cliff? Off of a cliff. <laughs> the train is catapulted off the edge of the cliff, explodes. Yeah, yeah. the last carriage just stops on the edge. It stops yeah. the edge. They look over the edge, and then the end. The end. That's right. And they just just burning carriage. Like the alien no, is definitely yeah. dead. No definitely, dialogue. Definitely dead. Yeah. No coda. That's it. There's your yeah. movie. Thank you very much. Good night. Yeah. I think it says fan as in F I N. End. Yeah. Up until this point, I felt like the last third of this film, so basically yeah. from when Tony Tavares got on there, 
it just the excitement and like just ramped up. It goes up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It absolutely goes, it was, goes up. A notch. It, was, it didn't feel like if it didn't feel like a modern film, but it didn't feel like a film from nineteen seventy whatever it was. We point. kind of touched on it pre- previously to the, to this, but the whole notion of that. Well, you know, obviously he's he's a murdering alien, but yet at the same time, <laughs> like when he's talking to the engineer, you get the feeling of. He's just trying to get the fuck off a planet. Yeah, Earth. he wants to go home. He and and, he just, home, and again, if he? you were remaking this now, I would really mm. have that. The whole, oh, like, yeah, I hate yeah, you yeah, people. Yeah. Yeah. I just want out of here. I want and, to you know, get away re- from you disgusting yeah. humans. Well, there was a And then you turn to a shot of Piers Morgan on TV and, and then just the alien just like shaking his head like, <laughs> is, please hey, get me absolutely. out of here. <laughs> um, at this point, I messaged our WhatsApp group and said, is this going to be the Tunguska event in Russia, in Siberia, in 1908? I was really excited that it was going to be, and then it wasn't. But if I read it... <laughs> I didn't know what that was. I didn't understand that. that. The Tunguska, well, the, the biggest explosion. No, I don't know that. No, in, sorry. It's a huge... Uh, oh, it's when, it's when all the... Um, yeah, when all the trees, trees came yeah. down. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's a Doctor Who comics strip from 1987 which deals with this event. And I think it makes out that um, it's something to do with the Doctor from Marvel Comics 1987. So that's the first time I heard about it. But it's an explosion over the sparsely populated Eastern Siberian uh, region, which flattered an estimated 80 million trees over Mm. 830 square miles of forest, blah, 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 blah. It says that basically it's a... um, it's an airburst of a stony meteoroid about 100 metres. Uh, oh, what? Wow. The meteorite, meteoroid, was 100 metres across. I thought that, that the actual explosion was 100 metres above the Earth, but it's the meteoroid itself no. was 100 metres. Wow, that's massive. Yeah. Um, so I thought this creature is made of energy. The train's going to go off the cliff and it's going to explode. And then at the end, it's going to say Tungunska, 1908. But it didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, it yeah. just says, end. End. <laughs> Done. Get out. So, so when we remake this, that's going to be <laughs> yeah. the ending, okay? The reveal Absolutely. will be where Definitely. they are. And I think it's yeah. going to be a, like a helicopter kind of shot coming up. And it's just a big crater, isn't it? Basically, with all these trees. Uh, all the animals around the area all have red eyes. So that oh. it's just spread yeah. out to all, all, <laughs> nice. of, all of the um, the, the, fra- uh, the fauna of Russia. I was so Russia. expecting, like I said, yeah. like, like I said earlier on, I was so expecting one of the characters to do the whistle yeah. or something like that. Yeah, like whole, yeah, 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 yeah. I got away. Yes. Mm. I, I got away. Low, oh, no, they didn't go low, for that. We said no, everything's nice fine. Everything. Well, you could have had yeah, as the train mm. as the train went off. Like, yeah, like, it gets becomes eye to eye with Chris Lee or something like that as as it goes yeah. like, over the cliff and it's like. Did it, did it manage I think to that's transfer? how they do it now, but I think then it's just like, right, we've got enough. We've got to get done. Ninety minutes. Yeah. Let's let's literally get finish out. this film. <laughs> people are eating, people have finished their popcorn. The main features on next. We need to get them out to buy an ice cream now. We've, let's finish. We've, we've seen enough boiling eyes. Yeah. But you, you, <laughs> could, you could do a sequel though, where someone's going goes to that crash site. Like uh, oh, that yeah, in modern day, mm, maybe because, because yeah, we know yeah, that yeah. The, it can stay in a dead body for you know mm. millions of years. Mm. Well, yeah, effectively, he's just trapped there now because he can't transfer to another body, isn't he? 
Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, good. You can so, do a sequel. I'd I'd really like to see a sequel. Um, if we were to remake this, who would you cast as Cushing and um, Christopher Lee? Are there any modern equivalents oh, that you can think of? It's really hard because I think we're sort of stuck, similar to that then. Well, there's only yeah. so many British stars which you can you can. You yeah, can Michael cast. Fassbender. Yeah, it's, it's, I do Fassbender yeah. and everything for me. Fassbender, is Fassbender. Christopher Lee. And Danny Dyer is Peter Cushing. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Together at last. <laughs> so it's always Cumberbatch. Is, is, is like the, the go- Cumberbatch yeah. should be good. Cumberbatch and yeah, Get him in. Yeah, Done. I think that's a good idea. There we are then. There we are. And who would Done. be Telly Savalas? Well, it'd be a CGI Telly Savalas. Well, a CGI Telly Savalas. Exactly. You can't replicate that. You could get Ross Kemp on set and then just use deep, <laughs> deep fake to replace the other face. I, know, uh, I, tell, I tell you who would be good, and that, and that is uh, Philip Mitchell. I think he'd be very good as doing a Telly Savalas. <laughs> what's, what's his name in real life? And I'd have him dressed as a pirate. Steve McFadden. Steve McFadden would be amazing. You'd be amazing as a Cossack. Hang on, I'm gonna. When did Telly Savalas die? Let's have a look, shall we? 1994. Really? That's quite late, isn't it? Yeah. 72. What's amazing is that when, when certain people become incredibly famous for a short period of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and, and they really encapsulate a. An era, don't they? Oh, he was incredibly famous as Kojak, wasn't he? Born the same year as uh, Christopher Lee, so they were both Tiffany wow. at this point. I've never seen him. Wow. I've never seen an episode of Kojak. I don't think I have, really, no. to be well, honest. Ah, oh, I, I did when I was a kid. You know, who loves your baby, lollipops yeah, it, and all, the, all, yeah. all of that business. Yeah. And all I know is, is that the uh, one of the mad things that's just stayed with me forever is yeah. there's a really brilliant documentary all about the making of the 1979 Superman, the Richard Donner Superman with, yeah, with yeah. Christopher Reeve. Yeah. And it's, an, it's, a, it's a brilliant document. It's so much good stuff in it. But one of the, the gems from it is they say that the script for that, which became yeah. Superman 1 and 2, the first draft was done by Mario Puzo, who did the no cover. Way. Yeah. And yeah, and like Richard Donner is like, the first draft was crazy. It had so much mad things in it. Like at one moment, Superman flies past Kojak. They were going to have Telly Savalas in it, going, "Who loves you, Superman?" <laughs> what? And that statement, like in a parallel universe, that happens. Because, oh, because that's one of the things I love about original, you know, Superman is seventies New York. Yeah, and it's got that. I love anything set in nineteen seventies yeah, yeah, New York. Yeah, and when they obviously shot it all, it still mm. looks grimy seventies New York. Yeah, yeah, so. Post-apocalyptic New York. Yeah. Very much Warriors, so. isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. would we recommend this film? Yes. 100%. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Fun. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Glad really everyone liked fun. it. Really good fun. So, John, what I, did you give out of five? What, what's been my highest so far? Ten or something <laughs> well, you, like you, that? Tried, you tried to give something a hundred the other day, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I would say that this is a good, for me, this is a good, like, four... To four point five out of five, I, I basically have enjoyed everything that we've watched so far, <laughs> except <laughs> for reading the rats. So let me just have a look at your um your your scoring, John. You've yes. given uh, Dracula AD nineteen seventy two four point five, Curse of oh. Frankenstein three, yeah, uh, Sapphire and Steel five, 
The yeah. rats really? minus yeah. The rats yeah. minus ten. The stone plate five. <laughs> the Sonic Rights of Dracula five. <laughs> okay, five. Five. There we go. Yeah, five out of five again. James, what, what, what would you um? It's 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 a very solid three oh, for me. Brilliant. I enjoyed it. So That's it's good. on par with the stone tape for you then. Yeah, 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 yeah very much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think, I think so. I'm going to give it a. I'm going to give it a, a three as well. I think it was more enjoyable than Stone Tape because it's it's so schmaltzy and kind of pulpy, yeah. isn't it? Just very but silly. But it's got, as you said, it's got that Italian, Euro- oh, sorry, Spanish, European yeah. horror feel to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. I, which I really enjoy. So I, Did I, like really, I really enjoyed the music. I thought the production design was good. I really enjoyed the, the makeup effects. Um, the, I'd say the first 20 minutes is a bit kind of just... Un- until they get on the train, it doesn't really start to move, does it? Because all the stuff in the station and stuff is just a bit... doesn't really work technically because you can't hear what people are saying and the actual mm. cinematography doesn't really make much sense. But once they get on the train, like you say, please, they're in, they're in within this world then and they can't leave. And that's when it starts to um, kind of hang together more as a kind of... Yeah, and there's a little bit entity. of comedy and stuff at that point. But then it just The comedy is great. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I think um, you can... I mean, what I like to do is imagine Peter and Christopher going back to the hotel at the end of the day, somewhere in Spain in the 1970s. Imagine Spain in the 1970s. Spending time with Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. In the same bed. Just, oh, amazing. That would be the best experience ever. Can you imagine? Yeah, but Peter would be crying a lot of the time. Peter's crying. Telly, Telly Savalis turned up. Two <laughs> yeah. birds, you know, bird on each arm. Yeah. Hey, hey, Peter. Are you Peter, Chris. <laughs> I love What's you up with this script? What's up with this? Are you ready? Ah, don't worry, I'll make it up. <laughs> we'll just t- turn up. Roll the cameras, baby. Let's go. Have you read this garbage they've sent me? Oh, my God. Now, for something horrific, um, this is where we recommend something which we've seen, listened to, read, or, or... or enjoyed since our last podcast. Um, has anyone got anything okay. to contribute today? Nope. <laughs> well, I, I've got I've got one which this is a bit of a cheat from me, yeah. but I feel yeah. it's legit. Um, it's one that I mentioned before, but I hadn't read yet. Okay, and that is the appari- the apparition phase by Will McClane. I thought it was going to be good. It's absolutely brilliant. Oh, fantastic. Oh. As I was reading it, I thought, I can't wait for Ross to read this. He's going to absolutely flip over this. Oh, brilliant. Of course not. I did the right thing in the fact that I read it in bed quite late at night, which is an excellent time to read books such as this. And it's fantastic. There's one element towards the end that I thought, mm, I didn't quite enjoy. But apart from that, absolutely full-on two thumbs up recommendation Fantastic. and so i'm looking for, looking forward to passing it on to, to both of you shortly yeah oh, brilliant okay. read. And, forward to yeah, that. really really i don't want to spoil it at all yeah good. really good really good well um i'm bringing in i bought the collected volume of inside number nine scripts for the, the, oh, the first, okay. Uh, okay. first three series yeah they've released it as paperback but they've also done a special edition 
collection hardback with all lovely gilt covered stuff. When it first Very came nice. out, it was 50 quid. And I was like, oh, I really Whoa. want it, but I'm not going to spend 50 quid on it. I uh, know you've bought it for five ninety nine. I got it for thirty pounds, which is well, not that's too all bad. Right. Brand that's new, a tenner each. Isn't yeah, it? Um, and the the uh, season one series one is is signed by Richie Smith and Steve oh, Pemberton as well. Good. Cool. That's really good, please. Where did you get that? Just up on Amazon. Brand, Amazon. Brand, thirty quid. Brand new, thirty quid on Amazon. So really, yeah. good. so I'm reading what one of those each night. Um, so one of the most frustrating thing part of it is just how well written they are and so the first one is the the sardines where everyone's in, in the uh hiding in the in the wardrobe remember that one i i have seen very little of uh inside number nine i know it's very good but i never really get around to watching it okay well the first one is um everyone they're at a party and it's pretty much the whole thing is set inside a wardrobe where it's sardines the characters keep coming into the into the wardrobe and it's just yeah. so, so much so many jokes slammed into that like that 25 minutes yeah but all the jokes are revealing something about those characters and and as it comes to the end it all becomes yeah. so clear of what, what the mystery is or, or or what the story behind it all is and it's quite you know macabre and dark and it's just so well written and it's like that's just the first one and, the, and they yeah. managed to get three series of the john if you haven't watched many of these i really reckon my favorite one they've done is called stakeout it was yeah. the last one of the the third series. It's yeah, probably an iPlayer. Go and watch that one. It's yeah, just really good, really good. I, I always think with these guys, like, how the hell do they consistently imagine so much stuff? How do they keep mm. writing so much stuff? Because they've done Psychoville, League of Gentlemen. They've done Inside Number Nine. Like. Like how do, they must workshop stuff out all the time, just idea, 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 idea. It's absolutely nuts. There's a really good podcast they do about it, and and they said that often when they come to the new series and they're like, "All right, okay," you know, and they look at the things they didn't do the ones before, and they're like, Phew. "But then, yeah, it, they just have to keep working at it." You yeah, know? and it's... I, I I would just say that the live horror one they did <laughs> yes, was one of the, the best Halloween executed one. things. Oh, I, I love that. Yeah, that was genius. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Genius, turned it off genius, when I genius. It went, I actually thought it went wrong. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I was about to turn it off, and I was like, "Hang on." Uh, there's someone, there's someone in the background. Yeah, is that the one where they cut? That's the one where they cut to, to, as if it's a repeat of yes. the previous episode. Yeah, yeah, and then you see some, but then you and, see someone in the background. Yeah, exactly. yeah, and then the magnificent bit of them going, "Well, what's up here?" And, yeah, um, he tweeted. He he tweeted. Yeah. Can anyone see us? Yeah. yeah and it yeah, came yeah, up yeah. on Twitter in yeah. live. So it was yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, and Mark Gatiss replied to them in live. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was that was all genius. Yeah. That was fantastic. And they also did yeah. one where one of the uh, one of the um, it, it was called, it was all about uh, someone who comes up with the uh, with crossword clues. Um, and, uh, okay. And they published the crossword puzzle, which the guy was was writing on uh, in the story in the in the newspaper the following day wow and, and there was like clues in in there it's just, it's just so clever just... would you put them in charge of doctor who yeah yes yeah, definitely charlie okay. Brook, if i had if i had to pick someone i'd put charlie brook in, in, in charge of it would you really yeah not now no why what's he done What's he well, done? I think, ever since, I, I think ever since he's, ever since he went on to Netflix, I think he's absolutely lost his edge. Oh really? Oh, really? I, 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 I don't think I don't any think of any. Uh, I don't think any other. I was never a big. 
we're going off of the um the general <laughs> witchfinder's tangent here but i was someone i was never a big fan of black mirror anyway for me it's yeah. science fiction for people who don't want to let you say they yeah, like science fiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is what i've i've always said but i also appreciate at the same time some very clever ideas in there i think yeah. nothing he's done for netflix has been anywhere near or as sharp mm. as the channel four stuff and this is one of the recurring things that you see with netflix is there is no editor there's no, no oh, sorry there's there's no there's no one in in the production going maybe you shouldn't do that or yeah. have you thought about this there's no hard edge for them to yeah. or, you know there's no whetstone to sharpen those ideas against and netflix is just saying to them do it just just do it because yeah. well, that's yeah. the same with ryan murphy who's the kind of like american tv producer who you know he's the guy behind glee ross mm-hmm. and what have you and all the rest yeah. of it they signed him up on a multi-million dollar deal say oh do whatever you want and virtually everything he's that everything he's done has not worked i, I love hollywood mm-hmm. did you watch hollywood no oh, I, did, I loved that <laughs> I, I, cried, I cried a lot at the end of that one as well oh, uh, okay God. I I obviously haven't watched any of these because um I, all I watch is um doesn't watch anything in sixteen by nine, do you, John? Oh, I really try not to. Yeah, I mean the uh, I go, oh God, no! If it's not in four to three, then it's not for real for me. <laughs> That's a t-shirt. I'm gonna get that on a t-shirt. If it's t-shirt. not in four to three, it's four not three. for real. Not for me. For me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But you know, Ghost Adventures with Zach Bates, Zach, Zach yeah, Bates. yeah, I'm there, I'm there, I'm there, absolutely. Help my house is haunted. I'm there, most haunted. I'm there. Uh, paranormal lockdown with Nick Groff. I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> Not so keen on um, Portraits to Hell with Jack Osborne though. <laughs> yeah, I haven't done, I haven't watched or done anything. Sorry, Cleves. Tell us about your new camera lens then. <laughs> you don't want to put this on the podcast. We've got to put something in there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I bought a lens and then I took a picture of a ghost. There we go. Fantastic. <laughs> right. Well, thank you very much um, for uh, joining us on our listening. Se- on listening on our seventh episode. We've we re- seven. I'm surprised that John has st- stuck to it for this amount of time. <laughs> It was quite hard to get him to do this one um, because he, he didn't think he was going to like it, but we managed to push him through and he did like it. So that's good. And But the next one now, we're reading something. We're reading something. We reading something oh, not, really looking forward to Reading this. something recent as well. So, reading something recent, a new podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be reading Never Trust a Rabbit by Jeremy Dyson, uh, talking yes. of the League of Gentlemen previously. So this is a, a, a collection of short stories. I'm going to read the whole book. But we're probably going to, only going to cover a few of those stories. But yes, tr- read along if you can. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks um, for Never Trust a Rabbit. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank Stay you. safe. Bye. Happy day. Love, light, and peace. You have been listening to The General Witchfinders. <laughs>
Oh, I was talking to oh. a friend um, yeah. I work with, and he had a Black Sabbath T-shirt on, and um, someone yeah. asked him about it, and he said, oh, I was at the last ever Black Sabbath gig in Birmingham. Birmingham, yeah. 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 And he yeah, said, yeah. Um, we, were, we had to stand near the um, the light, uh, the lighting bit, and he said, oh, I was a bit pissed off that we were at the back and stuff. And he was standing mm. there, and he said, I turned to, turned up, looked to my side, and he was going to my mate, Sharon Osbourne, we're standing next to Sharon Osbourne. No and he goes, say something to her, and he goes, I, I can't do it, it's grumpy. And then she fucked off, and then... Looked around, Kelly Osborne was standing next to him. No way. Up a bit. She fucked up. Next to it was Jack Osborne. So all of them got to stand next to all of them watching Ozzy Osborne's last Birmingham um, performance. No way. Where was that? In the NEC? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, saw the Fugees in there, 1997. <laughs> I did not know you saw the Fugees, John. Oh, James. What a gig. What a gig. <laughs> Half full NEC, but um, <laughs> well, it's good. It's when we saw Ian Brown um supporting the uh Manic Street Preachers, the Manics, and someone chucked someone a cabbage. Threw cabbage in him. No, it wasn't as good as that. <laughs> and he tried to do something uh, through on them. Covid denier, and they couldn't get him. Yeah, yeah. Don't start me on that. It's horrific, <laughs> isn't it? It's like yeah. it's like all of my heroes have been pitched up just to be destroyed, like the Wicker Man, like Morrissey <laughs> destroyed, Ian Brown. Destroyed. It's At gone. least Liam yeah. Gallagher, it just is keeping it real. He is. He talks about <laughs> Manchester City, and that's literally about it. That's and that's it. fine by me. Um, you know, I hate Manchester City, but um, at <laughs> least he's, he's uh, you know, real. He is for he's not real. A monster. He's not <laughs> a monster. He's British. He's not a monster. A monster. <laughs> 